now. Wait 10 seconds. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. In case you can't tell, don't try to adjust your set. We sound a little different. We're trying some new things with our audio, trying to improve everything. So hopefully this will continue to improve and sound better. But uh, yeah, hopefully looking forward to a clearer broadcast on the Cubby's Crib podcast. So, uh, Adam, how are you doing tonight? Pretty well. How are you doing, Alex? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Baseball's back. Pitchers and catchers have reported. People are in Mesa. Baseball activities have begun. Now, I know you're not as big into the preseason as others, but, um, you know, you got to at least be a little happy, right? I mean, at least we're seeing things happen again. Yeah, I mean, I I don't spend all my free time uh, watching, you know, as many videos as I can of Cubs players uh, in February. Uh, That just doesn't do it for me. Uh, But I do like to keep tabs on some of the the more intriguing uh, storylines, especially you, Darvish, right now. I mean, the season he had last year, pitching like 50 innings, basically didn't play at all. uh, And we're all really uh, hoping for a big comeback from him. Uh, that's that's the big storyline for the Chicago Cubs right now, I think, because if he comes back and he's fully healthy, he's in the rotation all year. That's that's a huge game changer for the Cubs. I mean, you're talking about a team that wins 90 plus games every year with this roster. And then you add a guy like you, Darvish. Um, I don't think any of us are expecting him to be an ace type pitcher right off the bat. But if he can be a viable starting pitcher in this rotation, then that's huge. And so that's that's really the only player that I'm keeping close tabs on at the moment. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be watching the way he throws, seeing his velocity come back, and just listening to him in the postgame to talk about how he feels. He spoke in English to the media for the first time ever the other day. I thought he did a great job, you know, just talking about his desire to pitch well and bounce back this year. And You know, according to him, he says he feels a lot better than he did last year. Last year, something just wasn't right. I don't know if it was the stress of free agency. Maybe he was still feeling a little bad or or something from the World Series before. But I feel like just coming into this season, we are seeing a lot more confidence in you, Darvish. The way he's talking, the way it sounds like he's rehabbing. He just he seems like he's in a lot bigger spirits than he was last year because look they signed him on february 10th of last year that was pretty much right when people were reporting the camp so you know he went from being a free agent to signing to press conference to camp so things are probably a little different i i agree with that i mean you hit the nail on the head here in general you darvish just seems a little more chipper this year yes. i mean we were all we were all super pumped when they signed him last year it was a big deal big one of the biggest signings of the offseason maybe the biggest arguably but then after that we never really i mean the press for you darvish it was kind of weird we just never really heard from him uh but this time around he just seems genuinely excited to be a Chicago Cub. I never really got that impression from him last year, but we're also hearing now that he just didn't quite feel right mm-hmm. all of last year. Even before he went down with the injury, it, it seemed like he just wasn't completely physically well. Uh, but this time around, it, th- it seems different. He seems really uh, excited to get going. 
I saw on Twitter that he got a Fortnite win, so that's that's pretty cool. So did I. Good <laughs> it's for him. Not, yeah. It's not easy to win. Have you ever played Fortnite? No, but I know how hard it is. Oh, it's it, yeah, it's not easy. It's pretty. It's intense once you get down to the end. And I saw that he he's also playing on a PlayStation, which is good because that's that's the superior console. PlayStation greater than Xbox. Don't at me. Um, uh... Yeah, I'm sorry. That's just that's the truth. I like things that work and they work well all the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we're all really excited uh, to see what you Darvish can do this season. It just seems different this time. It really does. Yeah, for sure. And obviously there's going to be a lot of people watching him and a lot of, you know, he knows the pressure is on. He absolutely does. But when you go in with more confidence, that can make all the difference. I mean, you look at that and you look at the health of Chris Bryant and how some of these other young pitchers are coming into camp. You know, there's a number of other guys to look on, but when you're talking money and importance, you're looking at you Darvish and Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's obviously not as much the money as you Darvish, but you know, just flat out importance. You want to make sure that shoulder is healthy and you know, he's not going to be doing much until the games start. And that's a few weeks away. So, you know, right now we're seeing the pitchers and catchers working out and obviously guys are there. They're taking batting practice. Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwarber, Jason Hayward have all been taking BP yeah. down in Mesa. But, uh, you know, until then, I'm really curious to see how all the arms look. Because for right now, most of the arms are healthy outside of mm-hmm. Brandon Morrow and uh, Kendall Graveman. But everyone else looks healthy. Uh, it sounds like people are in good shape. Sounds like the pitchers really like the new pitching coach. So there's going to be a lot to watch for uh, arm-wise this yeah. camp in the spring training. And going back to Darvish for just a second, I read today that that apparently he, you Darvish, really felt a lot of pressure to live up to the big contract that he got last year. And it sounds like this year he's he's feeling a little bit more relaxed. Uh, and That's I good. think he said he just wanted to be, which I, I really liked hearing that because it seems like when, when players get these big, massive mega deals, it, it seems to usually go better in year two than it yeah. does in year one, because I, I do think that there is something to that living, trying to live up to the pressure of a huge deal. I could see how that would, that would weigh on somebody pretty heavily. I mean, if you're get, if you're one of the highest paid players on the team, then you're, you're going to feel a lot of pressure and you're going to beat yourself up if you don't perform up to the expectations that you set for yourself. Uh, so I was, I was kind of relieved to hear that he's, he feels a little bit more relaxed and just a little bit more at ease this year. I think that will really help him. Yeah, you know, it's a really good point you make, because if you look back at a few signings, you know, big signings like that, you can point to a few and say, wow, they started off rough. They may have come around in the end, but you remember when Albert Pujols first joined the Angels? He eventually Mm -hmm. came around and batted 285-343, but when he started that season, he started really slow. Yeah, And then when you look at Adam Dunn, you remember Adam Dunn's first oh, year yeah. with the White Sox? It was historically oh, yeah. bad. And then the next year, he came back and hit like 40-some home runs. So yeah, that definitely does happen. And look, some people may be upset thinking, oh man, Darvish is admitting that you know, he wasn't ready for it last year. Well, I kind of like the honesty from him. Yeah, I, I do too. And I, I find, I, like I said, I find that very encouraging. Uh, I think it'll be a, a great help to him that uh, that he isn't feeling quite as much pressure this time around, um, and I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, and like I said, I don't think he's going to be number one ace quality type stuff, at least not right away. But 
if he if he can just pitch six or seven innings each time, uh, not walk guys, then I think it's going to make a huge impact for this team. I agree. I agree completely. And he can still be the guy that strikes out a lot. I mean, yeah. You look at last year, even though the stats were brief and not very good, I think his uh, K per nine was still like 11. So, yeah. I mean, there you go, double digits. And you, and going back to like the pool holes and Chris Dunn thing, I mean, this this doesn't exactly, it's not a year one situation, but every player uh, can thank Chris Davis because I think Chris Davis in 2018 had like the worst season in Major League Baseball history. So it, the bar has been set and I don't, it's going to be really hard for anybody to go lower than that. Did you did you did, did you see what he did last year? I'm looking up the stats now. One 168, 243, 296 slash line. Yeah. Five hundred and twenty two plate appearances. Yeah. He 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 might have had the worst full season in Major League Baseball history in twenty eighteen. It was that bad. That is a negative three point one F four. Yes. Yeah. Yikes. He was a major liability for an already really bad Orioles team. And just remember in twenty fifteen, he had forty seven home runs, hundred yeah. RBIs, and a three sixty one on base and a uh slugging of five sixty two. And he 20... was a five point war war player yeah, that year. Twenty thirteen he batted two eighty six and hit fifty three homers and hundred and thirty eight mm-hmm. RBI. And you fast forward five years later and he's the worst player in baseball by a long shot like this. Nobody came close to being as bad as Chris Davis for that long of a stretch. Sheesh. Oh, those numbers are WRC plus of 46. Yeah. And what's really, what's really concerning for them is that they had, they really, he played 128 games with those numbers. So they, they obviously felt like there wasn't anybody who could do better than that. There literally wasn't. Or they just felt compelled to play him because he's making a lot of money and they just didn't want to sit somebody who's because he made twenty three million dollars in twenty eighteen. Yeah. And maybe they were tanking, too. You know, well, definitely that. I mean, that the Orioles don't have to try hard to tank. Really. No, they don't. <laughs> oh, man, that, that Orioles team. Yeah, not promising, not looking good. Even <sighs> right now, I'd say their future immediate future is not very bright. I Oh, they'll lose 100-plus this year. Oh, easily, yeah. Do you remember, I'm sorry we're getting off topic here, but one last Cub-related thing when it comes to the Orioles. Do you remember last offseason, before we got you, Darvish, when we were all like on the Alex Cobb train? Do you remember Mm -hmm. that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of us were not totally on board that train, but, uh, I mean, I remember wanting him at one point just because I thought, you know, something is better than nothing. And it looked it was the, that was before it looked like we were going to get you, Darvish. But man, Alex Cobb kind of turned out to be a train wreck last year, too, didn't he? 480 ERA, 4.47 yeah. FIP. Well, uh, yeah. See, that's, oh, sorry, that's a 490 ERA, 480 FIP, 447 XFIP. Sorry. Yeah, see, the warning signs were already there because I he had he had posted decent enough ERAs in the years prior, but the peripherals were kind of raising some red flags, I think. And a lot of people noticed that. Um, I mean, 416 FIP in 2017. Yeah, not great. His best FIP year in the majors, it looks like it was 2014, 323. That's pretty dang good. Or sorry, yeah. two... Yeah, three three twenty three, and the ex FIP was three thirty three. So I mean, that was good right there. But you right. know, after that, I think it was after he had Tommy John surgery is when mm-hmm. that uh, all went downhill for him. But yeah, I mean, 
That was a thing at one point. Yeah, I mean, his career year was 2014 when he was 26 years old, and then he misses all of 2015, and then it's just it's kind of a crapshoot after Tommy John surgery. You just you don't know what you're going to get, and I don't think I don't think any Cubs fans expected to get 2014 Alex Cobb, and so I, even even the way the U Darvish thing went down, I'm I'm glad they stayed away from him. I'm glad that if if I had the choice. I would do the same thing all over again. I w- if if I had to pick between Darvish and Cobb, I would still pick Darvish. Given, oh yeah, of course. Even given that he missed all of last year, practically all of last year, uh, just because I, the upside for Darvish uh, and Cobb comparatively at this point it, it leans so heavily in Darvish's direction. I mean, because the the Cubs could get anybody, I think, in their own system to duplicate what Alex Cobb did last year. Oh sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Alex Cobb is nothing unique. He's just, you know, he's a pitcher. Yeah. You Darvish throws a bunch of things and he throws hard and, you know, he's he's got a repertoire that we don't always understand because sometimes he throws things that you just you don't know what they are. They're a slow curve slash change up palm type thing. So, yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. The the potential ceiling of Darvish, who has already hit a pretty good potential in years past. And he's just exciting. uh, yeah. He's exciting. I mean, the movement on his pitches, the, when the guy is when the guy is on, he is one of the most exciting pitchers to watch ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's gets some crazy movement. Alex Cobb, on the other hand, even his name, even the name Alex Cobb, like Alex Cobb is the cheese pizza of pitchers, man. Is just there's just nothing to it, you know? Cheese <laughs> <laughs> oh, pizza. Give me give me you Darvish, who, you know, that's 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 a more uh, ambitious pizza. Got a lot of toppings on it, you know. It could end up not being so good, but it, it might surprise you. It, at least it's exciting. At the very least it's exciting. Yeah, it, the cheese kind of fell off in the oven last year, but we're mm-hmm. putting it back on and we're ready you know, for this you Darvish pizza speaking, to be really good this year. Speaking of pizza, because I you're you're a Chicago area guy and uh-huh. I am not. And so I just I feel compelled to tell you that that Chicago deep dish pizza, as good as it may be, it's not pizza. It's a casserole. No, it's pizza. I just needed to get that out of my system. Do with that what you will. All right. um, I am sending a giant catapult over to your house. I'm going to instruct you to get in it thinking it's a hot tub. And then see, that's another mistake that you've made there using a catapult because the trebuchet is the clearly the superior siege engine. You know what? Just go away. All right. But you know, I I do actually do agree with you there. A trebuchet is is where it's at. Yep. Trebuchet, man. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Well, moving on, we have a big, big news break this morning. It was announced that the Chicago Cubs and Sinclair Broadcasting are partnering up uh, to create the Marquee Sports Network. So the TV deal, here it is. We've been waiting for this. This was going back to the Tribune days, this whole idea of having a you know their own network. And come 2020, that's going to be, uh, be a reality. Again, announced this morning, Sinclair partnering up with the Chicago Cubs. Going to be called Marquee Sports Network. 24-7 coverage, all Cubs-related and other local sports. Uh, It sounds like it's going to be built-in leverage with the cable providers, so it won't have this kind of similar snags that the Dodgers network had with uh, cable providers because that was kind of an issue. Uh, Very important to note is that the revenue will not start until 2020 when the network goes into place. So it's not like the Cubs are suddenly just cashing in millions as we speak right now. No, the 
the network has to go into place and the revenue is not going to start until it actually starts because this will be the last year of WGN broadcasting of them being on CSN. Um, there is a lot of mixed feelings about this for numbers, uh, a number of reasons. Uh, we'll get into one in a minute, but you know, one of them is simply you're going to have to pay for this. If you don't pirate online streaming or you don't currently have an MLB subscription, which I don't know what the blackout rules are these days. I don't have it. So I think there's a lot of controversy there as well, but you know, enjoy watching them on WGN while it lasts because you're not going to get it free anymore. Yeah. You, you, you kind of, you hit something that that's one of my primary concerns here too, because uh, you li- you live in the Chicago area. You live in Chicago. I do yeah. not. I, I am not particularly close to Chicago. Uh, I'm a Nebraskan. And so the way I watch uh, MLB games is uh, through MLB TV, MLB's subscription service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my number one concern is whether or not that will be affected because anytime uh, a Cubs game was not on a, a national uh, broadcast like ESPN or Fox or something like that, uh, if it was on WGN, I, I would watch uh, through the MLB TV subscription. Uh, so my hope is that that is not affected. If that stays the same, then I don't care. Uh, the details, they don't matter to me. Um, I, my, my hope is that I don't need to get some sort of different subscription just to watch Cubs games because it is nice to be able to just watch any game uh, yeah. through that subscription app. But uh, other than that, I, I really I don't have many thoughts on this, I guess. I, I can sympathize with the missing WGN because when I was Me really too. little, when I was really little, I, I, I got most Cubs games on WGN too, even, even though I live in Nebraska. Well, that's most, how all the fans around the yeah. country happened. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, that's, that's how a ton of fans uh, became fans of the team is because it's the one baseball team that is on local cable almost every single day. And it, it's kind of sad to see that go away. I mean, that's how my, not WGN, but that's roughly how my family became Cubs fans. Uh, sure. Because my grandpa, uh, one of the first radios he had, it didn't get very many stations, but one of the stations that it did get had Cubs games almost every day. So that was one of the only things he could listen to, and that's that's how the Cubs fandom started in our family. Uh, and I do I do kind of miss being able to flip on the TV and watch the Cubs on WGN every day throughout the summer. Um but as long as this doesn't affect uh, the MLB TV thing, then I, I really don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing that people were really excited about when it came to a TV network was just the money it's going to make the team. I think yeah. that's one thing that uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. look at because you've seen the effects it has on like the Yankees and the Dodgers. So I think that was the, the one thing that people were really eager to see a TV deal yeah. come into place uh, was the fact that it's going to bring in a lot of revenue. Yeah. Uh, another thing to note is Len Casper and Jim Deshays uh, will be part of uh, the programming. Uh, it says right here, an additional live game broadcast, which will continue to feature broadcasters Len Casper and Jim Deshays. Sports Network, uh, Marquee Sports Network will provide extensive pregame and postgame coverage, unique Cubs content, and o- other local sports programming. So all I got to say is you better be get if if I do indeed pay for this I don't know what's going to happen by 2020 with me I don't really know but if I do indeed get this there better be a bunch of throwback cubs games on uh televised when there's no actual yeah. games. 
I, I am in gl- with all those. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I am glad that Len and JD are going to still be a part of this because Len and JD are great, mm-hmm. uh, especially Len Casper. I don't think I, some Cubs fans I don't think realize how lucky they are to have Len Casper on the mic because he really is. I mean, I watch a lot of baseball games uh, when I can in my free time, and there's not there's very few color commentators as good as Len Casper. Uh, so we we should should feel fortunate for that. I like I like JD too. He says some derpy things every once in a while, but I think that that brings its own kind of value to the table too. Uh, yeah. I think I think the dynamic of the two works really well, and I'm I'm glad that that's going to continue to be a thing. I agree, and you know I think I think Len and Bob had really good chemistry, and then I think yeah. uh, Len and JD they started off kind of trying to find a chemistry, but I also think it helped that their chemistry was built when the team got better because right. you remember when Jim Deshays came in, it was 2013 and that team was awful. So mm-hmm. they really built a nice chemistry and I really do like having them uh, as our, uh, as our guys. Yeah. I, I, I kind of miss Bob every once in a while, but I don't, I don't think he, he wasn't truly passionate about the Cubs. He is, he's, he is always going to be a diamondbacks guy. Yeah. Um, I, I miss him from time to time. He was pretty good, but I, I think the Cubs have a good thing going with, with Lennon JD right now. I agree too. Um, and the other thing about this partnership is that, you know, this, this is a partnership, uh, that is going to just, you know, it's going to create a whole Cubs network and, Look, I really don't know much firsthand about Sinclair. I have been filled in about, you know, where they stand and some of the stuff that has happened on their broadcasting. I have never witnessed it because I've never watched it. Um, But what I've also heard is that when it comes to sports networks through them, if they do any others or any others that are affiliated with, you know, any other broadcasting company is that politics are usually left out of the sports network. So you're not going to see this network constantly having ads geared toward a certain political spectrum. At least that's what I believe is going to happen. I don't think it's going to be a big propaganda network for a certain political spectrum. It's going to be strictly a sports network. That's right. my guess. That's what I've heard from people. So, well, yeah, and I mean, it would be unwise for them to to do anything else because the, right. my understanding is that Sinclair is the biggest TV station uh, in the nation, and so I mean, everybody watches sports. So it would be it would be really it would be unwise to to isolate a giant group of your viewers. So I I wouldn't worry about that either. Right. And I've also read that because it's so big, that's why you're not going to get those uh, uh, cable provider issues that I Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. And again, this is just all based on what I've read from press releases, from news articles. Again, I'm not an expert on the network itself at all. And we still only have the very little details of it. We're probably going to hear more as time goes on, but this is basically what's happening. It's going to start in 2020. And yeah, and we're going to we're going to say goodbye to WGN this year. It's going to be really bittersweet the last game, and I hope they do some really special things. Have like a Jack Brickhouse and Harry Carey and Arnie Harris type tribute. Uh-huh. I'm sure they may do stuff throughout the season. So. I've always I've always thought that they should have a, a scheduled doubleheader in honor of Ernie Banks. 
Oh, I know. Why don't they do that? It seems like a really... I don't know. It, it seems like easy easy money right there. It, it seems like a, a really obvious thing to do, but I don't. that's just me. How about they do a game broadcasted on WGN, and each inning is a different graphic from a different era? You know, like a different sports graphic that they sure. use for, like, the score or, like, uh, bringing up the batter. Each inning, you start from a long time ago and you work your way because you notice the graphics on these uh, sports channels change every few years. Yeah, I'd I'd be all for something like that. I mean, there's any number of things they could do. They've got a they've got a huge opportunity to to do some creative uh, and original things here, and I I hope they take advantage of that. Absolutely. So we'll we'll find out more about this network as time goes on, but. This is the basic structure of it. So, again, enjoy WGN one last time this year, folks. One last time. Hard to believe. Kind of sad, but life goes on. For sure. Well, that's pretty much it for the whole network thing. Um, Going back to spring training, the other day, Theo Epstein addressed the media as well as Jed Hoyer, as well as Joe Madden. They all did in one panel. Uh, They addressed a lot of things. Obviously they spent a lot of time on the Russell situation. Basically long story short, he's suspended. He's doing some workout things at camp. He's trying to prove himself. Uh, They said that they're holding him accountable. So only time will tell what happens with him. I I don't know if you have any opinion on what you think will happen, but I, I really don't know. I mean, the organization says that they're doing everything they can and making sure that Russell is doing everything he can. And the reality is we don't know anything beyond that. All we can do is either take them at their word or or not believe them. Um, I'm inclined to believe that they really are taking the necessary steps. And you know, Russell's going to serve his time. He's going to serve his suspension. That's his punishment. Whether or not that's enough is you know up to everyone else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all, all we can do is, is just believe Theo Epstein or not believe him. I believe him that they're doing whatever they need to do. And, uh, I, I really, I just want what's best for the Russell family and, and for the Cubs organization. I, I just, it's a really touchy subject. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing I can say that will appease everyone. Um, and, and I think I'll just leave it at that. You know, I, we none of us really knows what is going on behind closed doors. All I can say is that I hope they're doing the right things. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I think Theo is pretty genuine when he talks about wanting to be part of the solution. Whether or not I agree with them keeping him on the team is a different story, but that's again, that's more of my opinion. But I do feel that Theo Epstein is genuine when he wants to make yeah everything better in this situation and he wants to be part of the solution and you've seen the uh, measures that they're taking what was it that every player had to go through like something about domestic violence when they came to camp yeah yeah i, I no i don't i really don't know about that i mean i don't know how necessary that is i mean it really is as simple as don't beat your spouse and that that should be that but I, I mean, I guess if if that's what it, if that's what they've got to do, then then go ahead. Yeah, I don't really know the details about that either, but I know they're doing that. And obviously, Joe Madden has spoken with Edison Russell. He's keeping an eye on him as well. 
so again, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, time will tell there. Uh, in addition to that, Theo Epstein addressed the Joe Ricketts emails, which we brought up on last week's show. Mm-hmm. Again, a really ugly situation. And Tom Ricketts did visit with uh, one of the Islamic groups here in Chicago to kind of have a meeting about the whole thing. And both Tom and Theo Epstein have denounced the emails and the comments made by Joe Ricketts. They're trying to be, you know, a, a better group about this situation as well. You know, obviously, bigotry doesn't have any place anywhere. And they're trying to make that right as well. So there there was a lot of tough things to talk about in their opening week of the season presser. You know, in years past, it's all right, we got this guy, we got this guy, we're ready to go. And there's still optimism for their team from them, but they had to address a lot of things first that a lot of people are upset about. And it's kind of a shame that they had to be in this situation, but it happened and they got to deal with it. It's on them. Yeah, it's certainly not the kind of press that you want. I think they've gone about handling this in the right way. I think they've said all the right things. They've apologized. Uh, they've, they've made it clear that uh, the content of those emails does not represent the views of the organization. And beyond that, I really don't know what else they're supposed to do because uh, like like we've said last time, Joe Ricketts really doesn't have anything to do with the operation of the team. And as far as I can tell correct me if i'm wrong the cubs seem like a very inclusive organization i don't seem to i don't see any sort of uh, discrimination against any particular group well maybe from the current people in the organization no mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately while joe ricketts is not involved in the operations it it does still reflect poorly on the organization and the cubs are working on making things right again and I think that we need to see that they are making an effort. They are working on it. They're not just going to come up with the solution that's going to fix everything in the snap of a finger. But they are active in it. They are updating us with it. And that's a whole lot better than nothing. Yeah, yeah, I, I... I agree with that. It's 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 bad PR. It's not the kind of news you want to see for your favorite baseball team. And I could see how that uh, could be a pretty terrible thing to hear if you are. Uh, but uh, I I think that I think they've they've done the right things so far, and uh, I hope they continue to um, to to make everybody feel welcome. Absolutely, and that's I think that's what everybody wants in the end. So again, we'll see what happens more beyond that. You know, I'm sure that ownership is very active right now. We also know, quickly going back to the Russell thing, we know he's going to speak sometime soon. And I know Tom Ricketts is going to address the team. I don't know if he has already, but I know at some point he was going to address the team about the Joe Ricketts things. Uh, So do expect more to come out about both those topics fairly Mm -hmm. soon, I would say. Yeah, uh, we'll probably have more to talk about next week. But, you know, outside of all that, guys are just trying to get back in their groove. Yeah, I mean, the the Russell thing is such a, a touchy subject. It's so hard. It's really hard to, to talk about this without, you know, fear of uh, of offending somebody. But I just don't know what else they're supposed to do. I mean, I, I, I get 
I get the uh, the viewpoint of people wishing that the Cubs would have just let him go, but I genuinely believe that they that this is their way of taking accountability for his actions. And the reason I believe that is because Russell isn't a very good baseball player right now. You know, if he was if he was Chris Bryant, if he was putting up Chris Bryant esque numbers and he was an MVP and a perennial All Star. Uh, then it would be easy to to see this as oh they don't really care they're just holding on to him because he's because he rakes and because he helps them win ball games it's not the case with Russell he's just not very good right now I think there's still a chance for him to be good uh, but the fact that he's been a, a below average baseball player and they're holding on to him tells me that they really do feel like they are 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 trying to help him and and to better the entire situation. Yeah, I, I'm sure they're they're working really hard. I know they're in touch with his ex-wife, Melissa, um, and I know they've talked quite a bit according to what they've said. And yeah, it really is a touchy subject, and I'm sure it's hard for the players. It's hard to answer questions on his behalf when they're asked. And again, I, I am going to express that I think it's kind of unfair for media people to ask other players to speak on his behalf because... They're really put in a lose-lose situation there, but you know, well, unfortunately, they're dealing with it. But I, I don't know. I, I, I think they have to. I mean, I, it's it's the media's job to address uh, the the big stories, and that's what it is. Uh, if it, if you want to put it on somebody, put it on Russell. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to blame I'm not going to blame the media for asking questions about what is most relevant to the team at a particular moment because that's their job. If, if the team wants to blame it, it should be Russell. Russell's the one who put them in that situation that they have to answer those kinds of questions. I just don't think there's any way around uh, the media just skipping over that topic entirely. Well, I, I know, I know it's their job. I get that. And you're going to be asked unfair questions no matter yeah. what. That's just part of it. I just, what, what I'm trying to say is I don't think that, players who are put on the spot and kind of unfairly sometimes it's hard to formulate the right answer right so i'm not sure we should just automatically judge another player's character based yes. on their answer oh i because, absolutely agree with that yeah i mean because it's i mean this isn't the kind of thing that they should have to deal with i mean it is it is part of their responsibility to answer the media's questions i mean as much as we as much as pro athletes like to rip on the media and skip out on that stuff that it's part of their job and i really wish that they would just accept that but but this particular subject is something that that none of them uh, should have to deal with it's, but they do, unfortunately they do have to deal with this. And so, yeah, like, like you said, I am not a big fan of overanalyzing some of the answers that these guys are giving because it's the kind of thing it really, it puts them on the spot. Uh, and any little slip up could, could be a big deal on social media. And then, and in that regard, I agree. It's not fair, uh, to judge these guys. Yeah. Cause again, sometimes when you're put in the moment, when you know people are listening to you, it's it's sometimes hard to formulate the yeah. answers you want. It's mm -hmm. it's just not easy. I mean, you put yourself in their shoes. It's got to be hard. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and I, and for what it's worth, I thought some of them gave some pretty good answers, though. I thought Ian Happ's answer was really good. If you mm -hmm. remember Ian Happ's yeah. answer, that was a good answer. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and even some of the other guys who who got pretty heavily criticized for what they said it's like I, i'm not sure what you want them to say it's kind of 
there's not a lot of scenarios in which what they say can appease everyone. I mean, of course they have to say that they're in some way supporting Addison Russell. I mean, what? How's how's he supposed to better himself if everyone on the team uh, hates him and isn't rooting for him uh, t- to improve? You know what I mean? You can't make yourself look like a bad teammate because that could fan flames in a whole other area. You also don't want to sound like, oh, yeah, you know, he's great. He's a good guy, you know, after those stories came out. Well, I don't I don't know that they necessarily mean that. Like, oh, Ad- Addison's a great guy. But I, I think that there's a fine line uh, between coming off like 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 what he did isn't a big deal and and just and in general just saying you know i i support your journey towards self improvement right I think that, that, that there is I was a fine line between really... those two things and i think that a lot of people tend to misinterpret you know i'm supporting you on your journey for oh my god he he doesn't care about domestic abuse i i just think that those things are separate and sometimes people don't see that no, no, I totally get what you're saying. What I was saying was those two scenarios that I gave, they know they can't go in either of those directions because right. it'll look bad. So they're kind of, they're trying not to do either or is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it goes back to what we were saying. You can't be too harsh on these guys, the answers they're giving, because this is not the kind of questions that they anticipated having to answer when they became baseball players. Right. It's a little different when you're front office management. You have to answer certain quite i mean you have to answer the media when it comes to this kind of things because Mm -hmm. you're in charge you're the ones making the decision the players have no control over the situation so those are a little different yeah yeah it's a tricky situation and i the guys having to answer questions i i think it's best we we just leave most of them alone i mean it's uh, they got to answer the questions that's unfortunate but I i don't think some of the criticisms are unfair yeah i get what you're saying too uh, so I don't know if you have anything else to talk about, but you know, right now that's pretty much all I got. Cubs pitchers and catchers are throwing and getting to recalibrate again. We have the position players starting to take some BP and we're just going to keep seeing how they get back in the groove. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Cubs stuff is all great. I really tonight was just excited, uh, to, to slander deep dish pizza, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all good. Well, I'm not good with you at that, but, uh, I'm not going to go on a 10 minute rant here. So we're just going to call it quits tonight. Adam, thanks again for coming on the show and, uh, hope you have a good night. Anytime. We will see you all next week. Hopefully we will have more exciting Cubs news until then. He's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. <laughs>